welcome. I'll give us a little preview of what's happening today. Um, some of you might have read that Bill got the flu, but he did not get the flu in enough time for anyone to prepare something reasonable. <laughs> so I think it's all a ruse to keep us on our toes and check in on our spiritual practice. <laughs> but Sherry uh, graciously steps up, and we are going to do a little bit of a dialogue together. And the framework is a bit of reflection. We're heading to the end of the year. A bit of reflection between the two of us about what we've learned from being part of ordinary life and really for Sherry being part of Bill's life um, for so long. She probably has known Bill longer than anyone else in this room. Any takers? Wait a minute. Is Douglas here? Ah, Douglas is not, neither is Sabrina. Well, we're going to mark them absent and they have an unexcused tardy for today. <laughs> or absence, I should say. They need a note from the doctor. Um, so we'll share a bit about how we have evolved and um, our thinking and how Bill has been part of that. And then we're going to open it a little bit to, to let others share. So really, as we are talking a little bit, think about how you might have been influenced by ordinary life, by the teachings of Dr. Bill Curley, by being part of this community and we'll keep a fluid dialogue going and respond as needed. So before we begin officially, welcome to Ordinary Life. Uh, welcome to the pajama people. I think Bill is among them, unless he is just so sick that he <laughs> needs, a, needs more than a prop to, to sit up. So he, uh, hi Bill, if you're watching. <laughs> and remember that no matter who you are, or no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. You are welcome here. That's right. So let's begin. I'll introduce Sherry a little bit. I mean, you're as famous as Bill. But <laughs> Sherry sits in the back a lot because she sneaks out to go sing in the choir at St. Paul's. And I don't know how many of you have gotten an opportunity to just sit and talk with Sherry, but she is one of the most genuine, direct, loving and compassionate people I know. In fact, I imagine that living with Sherry is like an inspiration for Bill to write about loving kindness and compassion. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I would love to see she's the She's the brains behind the operation. <laughs> and she's also his research committee. So you 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 research stuff for him. And I don't know how many of you knew this, but Sherry um, was a psychologist for her profession for years and years and years and worked mostly with kids and families in foster care. Is that right? When I met you, that's kind of where you were. Well, I did work with, before I became a therapist, mm -hmm. I, I worked with families in foster care and, and adoption. Yes. So when we adopted, we got to sit down with Sherry and really, really just work that out, kind of what, what are we wanting to do? Is this right for us? Is this how we want to proceed with building a family? And our middle son is adopted, um, bookended by um, two biological children. And Sherry really was part of walking us through that process, which was great. So we love Sherry. And um, 
are so grateful that you're here to tell us a little bit about life with Bill. Just kidding. Um, no, no too, not, not too many secrets. Um, but really, just how have you evolved in your spiritual journey? Where have you come from, and where are you now? Would you share that with us? Hmm. Well, I, I had planned to, to talk a little bit about where, I, where Bill and I started yeah. from yeah. and to say that um, what we shared in common from uh, early on in our lives was that we were both raised in Southern Baptist families. And um, one, one of the things that we also shared was that we left that um, at an, <laughs> in our early lives. And he went into a, a more liberal church and I went away from the church and we met when he was um, he was the I can't think of the proper term anyway he was coordinating a, a, a panel of speakers at a conference for therapists and I was presenting a paper and that's how we met and it just seemed like the proper way to meet. He apparently said when he saw you, I want to meet that woman. He did? He shared that here. Oh, before. okay. Yeah. That he beelined toward you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not, I would, that wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> so that was sort of my route back into religion. Hmm. And um, I, so I... I I credit him with my re-understanding of God and what that whole concept is of instead of it being this angry white male in the sky mm -hmm. of um, love mm. and the power of love. And you feel like Bill really helped you redefine God as love. Absolutely. What do you think some of the ways that that happened for you guys were? Because you both came from that background of shame, um, anger, salvation as sort of the vehicle toward it. And when we were talking the other day, you mentioned that prayer for you has changed a lot. How, how prayer has evolved in your life as you have understood God not as out there, but kind of more as a presence. Everywhere. Yeah. Inside, outside, everywhere. I, I did, one of the things that I wanted to, to say as a part of this was a prayer that I, and I, if any of you know where this prayer comes from, please tell me, because I can't remember how I found it. Um, but I say it every day, at least once a day. And this is the prayer. May I be filled with loving kindness and compassion. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. 
May I be happy. May I have the patience, the understanding, the courage, and the determination to meet and overcome the hardships, difficulties, and failures that will inevitably come. Amen. And when I first started praying that, I thought of it as being a comfort for me and those around me. But then I thought, this is what it, it would take to make the whole world a better place mm -hmm. for everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. There's that beautiful story in the Kabbalah, the Hebrew mystical scriptures mm -hmm. about God dispersing into the world through the form of light. So that light shattered and broke into millions of pieces. And in each piece of light are souls. A soul existed. And for re-knowing God to happen, that, that light had to rejoin. And to know love is to know that communion, in a sense, to know what it means to take care of the world or to repair the world. And that's what tikkun olam means, is world repair. So when I think of prayer, I think this equates a lot to how I think about God, too, and Bill is a huge part of this for me. I've known Bill for 20 years, since I was 20 two, so 21 years, and have been coming to this class. I was the youngest person for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and like you, this class has really restored an idea of God as not out there, different from, separate from, but as part of, among, and within. I'm imagining a lot of us might share that, that we might share this idea that God is right here in large part because either we sought this class because we already had an idea that maybe that was the way things were working or this class sought us <laughs> and has transformed our way of thinking about God. I said not too long ago when Bill and I were talking, yeah, do you want to say something? I think it's both, it works both ways. Yeah. yeah. Everything is connected. Yes. We seek it. It seeks us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, the words that I love that I have really adopted from uh, uh, another teacher of mine are the words autonomous and embedded. We are autonomous. We are individual people doing our thing in the world, but we are also embedded with everything else and everyone else. The poem that I think I got from Bill, or the line is, thou canst not stir a flower without the troubling of a star. Mm -hmm. And it just speaks to that interconnection. The, the butterfly effect in physics says that if the butterfly starts flapping its wings in a remote area, that it affects the grand movements of something on the other side of the world. So a little action can become a big movement. And those big movements begin to rip, have a ripple effect of transformation. So one of the ways that I've 
thought about redefining God with Bill's guidance is that God is a verb. And I really also like the idea that prayer is a verb. Prayer is the, the principle of being in the world for me, of attention to and intention to be a presence of loving kindness and compassion. And that's what I hear in your prayer is let me attend to and intend to be loving kindness and compassion. Do you, is that true for you? Yes. want to, to find out what yeah. people's responses, thoughts yeah. are. So as we go, we I need that little portable microphone. I maybe didn't say that, but uh, oh, thanks. What we, we will probably continue to add things, but what we wanted to do was hear, she has thank you so much, sweetheart, um, was to hear from y'all what, uh, oh, do you want to walk around and do it? Perfect. This is all part of our stage plan. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> do it, Costa. So what we'd love to do at this moment is just ask you all to share, whether it's a prayer, whether it's a way of thinking, whether it's a way of kind of operating in the world or, or with religion that has changed or that you have been changed by as you've been part of this community, as you've learned from, from Bill. Yeah. I'll stick my neck out. I've been coming for five or six years now, and I am a lapsed Presbyterian. I was brought up in a very strict, you know, Presbyterians are pretty exclusive, and as they began to spend more and more time examining their corporate navel in terms of uh, you know, what we are and how we're going to function within the, in, within the um, denomination, it became more and more clear to me that this was not for me. And I ran into an old friend, man, <laughs> in church one day because I now live very close to this church, whereas I used to go to Grace Presbyterian. And... Um, what struck me immediately was that suddenly we were talking about inclusivity as opposed to exclusivity, and I just sighed with relief and have come back ever since because mm. the whole concept that one group has the right answers is so offensive to me that I just stopped going anywhere for a while. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. One thing we've heard Bill say often in this class is that everything belongs. Everything belongs. There's no except or but, and then everything belongs. That's, that's encouraging to me, to, to meet in a space where that's true. Do you have anything you want to I first came to see uh, Bill the day after, uh, the Sunday after 9 11. Hmm. And I was just in terrible shape and had not been to any church and didn't want to and had a lot of questions, uh, always questioning everything. 
my mother was a devout Catholic, my father a devout atheist, and they, so a perspective was always something I was looking for. But boy, after that, those towers went down, I called uh, Lynn Kelly, uh, who's a member of this class, and I said, I've got to go somewhere, and she said, well, come, come with me, and I came. And Bill had me at hello. He, he got up there, and the first thing he said was, well, they got our attention. And I was like, okay, I want to hear what he has to say forever. So he, the, the search, search I've been on, uh, I have come to feel a God. That's kind of wonderful. And... Um, I have come to discover it for myself that every every thing that I am uncovering here was already in me. It just it's just over a body of time I see that the thoughts I had when I was young are and and I wrote them down. I, I'm a writer, so I've got all that stuff. And I can see that it's, it's a process of uncovering the, I'm going to say, the perfect little being that I was mm -hmm. for all my pain. Um, anyway, uh, I'm here for good. Thank you. We were, do you, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to say that what that, what you said reminded me of something that I had written down that, that I, I felt like Bill taught me, and that is that I am not 100% responsible for what happens to me, but I am 100% responsible with what I do with what happens mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that, that theme of personal responsibility is so <laughs> huge as part of our mm -hmm. spiritual and psychological awakening. Yeah. yeah. This, you rem we remember the Gospel of Thomas that Bill spent how long on? 50 weeks, maybe. <laughs> it was a while. Um, but that's longer than Thomas did. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but one of my one of my favorite pieces of theology comes from that teaching, which is um, if you bring forth that which is within you, mm -hmm. it will save you. If you do not bring forth that which is within you, it will destroy you. And that is like. I, that's my maybe daily prayer, my sort of thing that I repeat most of the time. That and I, th I just for, first heard this here. I don't think it's original to Bill, but I am not God. I am not other than God. Mm. I am not you. I am not other than you. Mm. That keeps rippling and rippling and rippling and rippling, going back to this yeah. idea of it's all, it's all interconnected. As the world's issues seem to be more complex, I find myself retreating into more of an aura of simplicity, which is easy for me to handle at mm. this age. Mm. And uh, you said a word while ago that I think has a halo around it, and it triggers all kinds of appropriate feelings every time I hear it. Mm. And that's the word loving kindness. Mm. And it says so much in its own few syllables that I just wanted to hold that up and celebrate that word. Mm -hmm. Someone back there. Uh, Calista, oh. there's someone back there. Can I do Carol and then come back? Yeah. Okay. okay. 
fine. <laughs> I texted Bill the uh, attendance, <laughs> and he he said I could tell folks that he is watching. So okay. let's all tell Bill hi. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. <laughs> is he gonna say hi back? <laughs> Can't will he text me hi back? <laughs> nope, not yet. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to respond to the lady in the second row uh, yeah. who said that she unearthed her former child. I remember something, something from first year English, and you may have to correct me because I may be wrong because my memory isn't what it used to be, but it, it, the line comes from John Dunn's poetry in Tales from Tintern Abbey, and it says, the child is father of the man, and I could wish my days to be bound each to each by natural piety. Yeah. And I appreciate your thought because I grew up in a war-torn refugee household where sort of living post-traumatic stress was most of my early life. Parents sought refuge in a fundamentalist religion, which is moving from post-traumatic stress to prison right. Right. <laughs> mm. and mm. took some time but I got out of prison and I'm glad I'm on a wide open field with other folks here who can share thoughts and things from their life how much time did you serve George <laughs> how much time did you serve how much time did I serve mm -hmm. well <laughs> I'm You're still on parole now. I, well, uh, I'm in a different kind of prison because Lynn is the enforcer. Oh gosh! <laughs> Maybe I should. But she's have very gentle and loving. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I uh, started changing my thinking around 2007 uh, with the help of Unity Church and uh, they had a philosophy there or they have you know we honor all paths to God so I kind of bought into that and um, things started to change for me and uh, and then along with this class as well and and it's it's been a journey and uh, I have a partner, too, that is on the same page as I am, which is uh, very helpful. I'm grateful for that. Um, quick story, though. My mother is 92 years old and in pretty good health, but she's ready to go. And uh, I grew up in a fundamental Lutheran background, and she's a fundamental Christian, no doubt. And uh, I asked her the other day, I said, Mom, are you in fear about because it's coming <laughs> and she she said to me she goes why would I be fearful about that mm. right. so I had a little bit of envy that her fundamental beliefs is solid and gives her peace mm. and she not, she believes from when lights go out that it's going to be wonderful and um, with all the changing in my thought and my journey, I'm, um, I can't say I have the peace that she has uh, mm -hmm. quite. Because mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm still uh, 
checking lots of things out. And sometimes I, oh, maybe this is it. or So I don't have that quite. So I had a little envy of the peace that my mother has based on her fundamental hmm. thinking. That there's a heaven, that there's right, a place. Right, right, yeah. She's going to get on that elevator and head up north, you know. <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't want to take that away from her. I wouldn't want to argue about that. I wouldn't want to discuss that with her, you know. And... Um, but someday, if I get to that point, I'd like to have some peace around, you know, when the lights go out. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I wanted to share that. But uh, this class has been helpful. It really, uh, you know, it really opens a lot of dialogue yeah. on uh, higher power, divine presence, the divine mystery. Yeah. And uh, so I'm grateful. This idea that there's a place to get is I think one of the core wounds that maybe many of us in this room share. And um, one of the ways that I think Bill has helped ease my thinking around that is I was very worried for a long time about believing right and am I doing this right? And, am I, and, and I was told by people in my life, you're not. You're, 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 you probably are going to hell. Not my family, but some people who are very strong believers. Like, you don't really believe right, which is a form of spiritual abuse, right? <laughs> and I am grateful, I think, that I have less anxiety about preeminence and, and transcendence after life and more focus on how, how shall I be? How shall I be loving kindness and compassion? How shall I be in this life or in this world that honors my deepest core as well as hopefully other people's deepest core? And you know, the rest is kind of just details. I, I, don't, I don't know about if I care anymore about the before and the after. That's a big thing to say. <laughs> but the, the during feels important. Good morning. I'm Leslie Kaufman, and for years, my husband and I were members of Live Oak Friends Meeting, which is a Quaker community. And uh, the last two years of his life, he wasn't well. And I was on a different place in my spiritual journey. And I taught here at St. Paul's for 10 years. I taught pre-K. And I grew up in, as a child in the United Methodist Church. And I thought... You need something else. So I came to St. Paul's, and who should greet me but Miss Ellen, and one of the very dearest people to me that I know. And I said, I can't, I'm not ready for the more formal church. What class would you recommend that I go to? And she recommended that I come up to Ordinary Life. It has blown the lid off for me spiritually. Some of the things Bill has said, you know, I always take something away from his class to think about. I remember one time he said, he was telling us about lions, and lions historically have represented something very strong. And if you go back to some of the maybe villages, if, if you killed a lion, you were, you know, it's a young man, 
you are considered someone very special in the community. And he's, and then I got to thinking, what he said about lions was, if you consume the lion, it will make you stronger. But if the lion consumes you, it will kill you. In other words, you will die. And I, that's the kind of thing he would say. And I took that home with me because I was really confused by it. And the more I thought about it, then I began to understand what it meant. The lion can make you strong, but your lions can be things like alcoholism, shopaholic, abuse. We know you just gambling. You go down the list. So, but he always gave me something to take home and think about. And this really meant a lot to me. And I feel like I've grown spiritually in this class. I get confused. We have a small group of people, ladies and, and gentlemen, too, that meet afterwards. And we often discuss his class, and it's led by Beverly. And I was invited to join that, and, and, and it was it's really helped me in understanding. But I always go home with something to think about. The last class, and I'll, I'll leave it at this, was God protects us from nothing but sustains us in everything. One of the things I love about Jungian psychology that also came into view because of knowing Bill <laughs> is individuation and transformation looks like the integration of opposites. So integrating the dark and the light, integrating the lion with maybe the lion cub, right? That, that these two things are in us and they need not be opposed to one another but integrated into the wholeness of our being. I'm still working on it. <laughs> but I, I really do love that sort of metaphor of Jungian psychology of individuation actually being about integration integration of opposites and holding those two things. You could probably say a lot more about Jungian <laughs> psychology than I could. Maybe. <laughs> Any, oh, okay. Good morning. I came to um, the Mind and Spirit class in 1990, and one of the I, I was a avid note taker before they started tape recording, and now I still have a bunch of the tapes from the mind and spirit class. And one of the one of the things that Bill shared in class that that struck me the strongest and stayed with me the longest was the the poem by Thich Nhat Hanh, "Call Me mm -hmm. by My True Names." Yes. But there's been so many other things that Bill has has said over and over that have stayed with me, like, um, be here now, and we have a moral obligation to be happy, and <laughs> and um, our daily spiritual practice, which I plan my new one to be, that poem that you shared, mm. Sherry, thank you. So we'll put it in the, the notes. The prayer, the prayer we'll yeah. We'll add it. And yeah, thank you. Um, I, I'm, I may be the uh, the counter guy here, 
but uh, after I hear Bill talk uh, and then I go and watch a few movies about this guy, I tell Bill, but we don't live in a uh, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Mm. And uh, frankly, Bill gave me an unsatisfactory answer in saying, well, maybe we should. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, those of us who have a profession and those of us who want to follow through on our callings uh, with gusto and with guidance and with insight, and we encounter the kind of the rotten parts of uh, the way things are. Um, I can't remember the f peace, hope, love, da 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 da, da. But, but those things uh, to integrate on a daily basis in my work, in our work, in my relations with my children, in my relations with my in-laws, and uh, it's just still ain't Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, and that is the primar primary primary. Uh, kind of a reality obstacle that I find hard to get over with, even though, yes, these Sundays lift my spirit back to the un Mr. Rogers' neighborhood on Monday. So that's... I don't wish to fix or repair that idea that it's a bummer that we don't live in a Mr. Rogers neighborhood, but one of the thought patterns that gives me some peace is without unkindness, I wouldn't know kindness. Without dark, I wouldn't know light. Without hate in the world, I wouldn't know love. That opposites reveal themselves to each other all the time. Without destruction, we wouldn't know creation. And that is just, I think, part of the difficulty of being human is holding those paradoxes of everything belonging, <laughs> right? All this integration of opposites uh, speaks to that a little bit. Callista asked me to stand up. I think um, we saw... Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood this week, and I think of anybody who reminds me of Mr. Rogers, it's Bill. Mm. <laughs> and I think that is a great movie. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's a, a wonderful movie, not for children, but for adults, and we really enjoyed it. But um, one thing, I mean, I had come to Mind and Spirit a long time ago when it was called Mind and Spirit, and then we moved away, and then we'd come back, and I finally get it uh, about the spiritual journey <laughs> and a daily spiritual practice. Uh, we've had some life crisis events happen in our life recently, and without that, I don't think I'd be here today and I wouldn't be able to function. So I am truly indebted to Bill mm -hmm. and this community for that. And if you haven't heard and started what Bill says every week, I would encourage you to do that because you never know what these challenges um, are going to come your way. And it has helped me through that. And so thank you, Bill. 
and get well soon. And then we're going to have to stop, I think. I think so. Pretty yeah. soon. So, yeah, um, I've been coming here for like six years, and um, I was actually very hurt when I came here. I was just kind of burnt out with church, and so um, <clears throat> I've been on my spiritual journey, I think, since I was like four years old, and I've been to several different churches, and I think each one elevated me to my next spiritual journey. And so um, I was telling Pam one day, I said, um, I haven't been in church and I've been going since I was four years old and I feel out of whack not being there. But I was in such a place that uh, my spiritual walk said, uh, I need you to stay at home for a while because if you go anywhere right now, you'll beat up everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so for about four months, I uh, had breakfast in bed. I listened to Jim and Karen's marriage ministry. And, uh, and then when I met Pam, she says, I go to a church that's very not normal. And not very not normal. It's not traditional. And I said, that's what I'm looking for. And so I uh, decided that I would visit. And then the first Sunday I got up to come, um, I did everything traditional that I'd done before. Got my clothes out at night and all this good stuff. And then I woke up and I was like extremely tired. I don't know why. And uh, it started to storm. So I got back in bed. The next Sunday I said to my girlfriend, I said, can you give me some sunshine so I can try to make this class? But it stormed again, so I got back in bed. <laughs> And uh, the next week, I didn't make any plans. I didn't even set my alarm clock. I didn't do anything. And I woke up about 8 o'clock, and I was laying there, and my spirit said, there's no reason why you shouldn't go today. So I called Pam, and I said, I'm coming today. And uh, so I came, and I was already in this transition for myself that I didn't believe in heaven and hell. Uh, my daughter had started to not use the term God, and it was hers was a higher being. And, um, and so uh, when I came, um, I was just sitting here listening. And then it just helped me with the transition. So I said, okay, I think this is where I'm supposed to be for my next learning. So I've taken my education and my spiritual journey as going through my first church was like, kindergarten and then when I stayed there my next one was elementary school then I went to junior high school <laughs> then I was in high school and now I feel like I'm in my first year of college here mm. and so I don't feel like this will probably be the last part of my journey for me because I just feel like God would keep elevating me because I'm willing mm. <laughs> and my spirit is so sensitive mm. <laughs> that every time I even mention it, it just makes me excited about what do you have for me next? Oh. And I never ever expected to look out and see myself in a place with this many white people. <laughs> but, uh, I'm excited and I thank you for 
you know, being who you are. And so uh, I'll just wait to see where my next journey goes. Oh, thank you, Bernice. Thank you, Bernice. Yeah. You want to do one more? Yeah, Okay, sure. who's next? Yeah. Hi, I'm Sarah Pollock. And part of what's happened to me in this sense of understanding God, what we think of as God, which is really broadened from, you know, when I was young and I was taught to pray to God and I prayed a lot, but I would ask for things, you know, um, help so, so take me, uh, show me the way, whatever it was. And so I had been sort of searching for what does prayer mean to me now? And I went to a, a program that St. Paul's put on, maybe some of you were here, where they had a rabbi, a Muslim leader, and an Episcopal priest talking about prayer. And what came out of that is that prayer for all of them was very similar. But what the Muslim leader said really stuck in my head, that he said every time he hears a siren, there is like this prayer that's a breath that is praying for the people on the ambulance the people driving the ambulance, the people that will receive the ambulance at the hospital, and the family and people that love uh, the person in the ambulance. And so what, it, what that felt like to me is that our prayer, in a sense, is embracing that compassionate kindness and our connection with everyone. And it can be a breath that somehow to us means all those words. So that's what I want to say. Thank you. you. Actually, Sherry once, um, you might not remember this, but I shared with you what this sticks out so loud in my mind briefly about just some troubles or anxieties I was having and just ugh, kind of. And you said to me, I do this, I don't know if it was a breath meditation, but of saying, in breath, yah, out breath, way, Yahweh, which is the Hebrew for breath, uh, for God, for <laughs> that that cannot be named. Mm -hmm. And that came from you. Mm. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. One of your many nuggets of. <laughs> you know who really writes the classes every week? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. John, and then we'll go. We'll close up. Yeah. Do you want to share anything else before? Hi, Bill is uh, so uh, smooth and, and polished and uh, graceful in his presentations. It seems really easy, but I think he is a wordsmith that has really uh, hammered out his uh, presentations so that he could say what he's got to say in one sentence, or he could say it in one paragraph, and usually about... 10.30, I look at my watch and say, well, maybe now he's going to really get down to it because he spent at least a half hour, as he would say, being an art, if he were an architect, he would have a 26-acre front porch. <laughs> and so he has, he has, for 20 years, uh, laid context on context on context. And I, I find that really uh, a gift, not only in, in understanding where he's coming from, but also uh, in communications on, uh, for myself to be able to, to lay a little context before I just blurt out something entirely stupid. Uh, 
But uh, <laughs> he, his uh, gift, I think, has been uh, wordsmithing and, and context for me. Yeah, absolutely. And a moral obligation to be happy, says Rebecca. Um, one of you mentioned the, the prayer or the poem by Thich Nhat Hanh, and as I was sitting here, just brought it up, and it seems like a really good one to close with. Are you okay with that? Sure. Do you wanna, well, I, one yeah. last tidbit. Yeah. One of the things I learned from living with Bill Curley <laughs> is that more is never enough and too much is not enough. <laughs> we have a whole cupboard in our house. You know, Bill does all the cooking, yeah. right? We, we had this agreement when we decided to get married because I'm not a good cook. I got no good genes from either my mother's side of the family or my father's side of the family for cooking. No good. And Bill loves to cook. He's a great cook, mm -hmm. thank goodness. Mm -hmm. So... And I love to do yard work. So we had this agreement. He said, I have done my last millisecond of yard work. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I've done my, I've cooked my last meal. I do like to cook breakfast. I'm pretty good at doing eggs over easy. <laughs> and so we have a whole cupboard of spices. Whole cupboard of spices. Yeah. Oh, no. no. <laughs> He's not good at organizing. No? No. <laughs> Too creative for that? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll close with this. And um, Bill and I actually are co-teaching next weekend as well on the idea of darkness. And we um, called it holding hands in the dark. So some of that will come out a little bit what somebody brought up today. Now I can't remember who said it. Um, being in the dark and what does it mean to sort of seek out the light and here's a prayer by Thich Nhat Hanh. Don't say that I will depart tomorrow. Even today, I am still arriving. Look deeply every second I am arriving to be a bud on a spring branch, to be a tiny bird with still fragile wings learning to sing in my new nest, to be a caterpillar in the heart of a flower, to be a jewel hiding itself in a stone. I still arrive in order to laugh and to cry, to fear and to hope, the rhythm of my heart is the birth and death of all that is alive. I am a mayfly metamorphosing on the surface of the river, and I am the bird that swoops down to swallow the mayfly. I am a frog swimming happily in the clear water of a pond, and I am the grass snake that silently feeds itself on the frog. I am the child in Uganda, all skin and bones, my legs as thin as bamboo sticks, and I am the arms merchant selling deadly weapons to Uganda. I am the 12-year-old girl, refugee on a small boat, who throws herself into the ocean after being raped by a sea pirate. And I am also the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. I am a member of the Politburo with plenty of power in my hands, and I am the man who has to pay his debt of blood to my people dying slowly in a forced labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm it makes flowers bloom all over the earth. My pain is like a river of tears, so vast it fills the four oceans. Please call me by my true names, so I can hear all my cries and laughter at once, so I can see that my joy and pain are one.
Please call me by my true names so I can wake up and the door of my heart could be left open, the door of compassion. No matter where you go this week, remember that you carry precious cargo, so watch your step. We'll see you next week. Thanks, y'all.